0: there's a better way to do this and we've been really slow in getting it this particular better way it seems like
1: yeah we absolutely have been i mean you know the number of people suffering with um, the complications from uh, an increase in weight in canada is a huge number it's a third it's nine million people and it causes a a lot of, of of problems but But even within that, we know that it's so prevalent, yet we still don't have a lot of great understanding of it. And we're still using old terminologies and old ways of actually thinking about it. And we need to update that because we know more about the biology, about the physiology, about the impairments in the health. So so, Mm -hmm. as you stated, BMI is not the right tool.
0: So it's yeah, it's deemed as very, um, very bogus. People can uh, can look it up. And the the irony there is, isn't it, uh, Dr. Warden, that there's NBA and NHL players that'll play games today that would be considered obese under the BMI formula uh, based on their height. There's so much it doesn't take into account. What are the major flaws with it? And why should we be leaving it way behind in, in the past?
1: Right, so the major flaw is that it looks just at body size, as, as, as you, you've stated. It doesn't look at actual health. And so, and, um, and for instance, um, and body size can be very misleading when it comes to the, 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 the the idea of, of, um, health. So African American women, for instance, take a lot of their weight and energy and put it into their thighs and, and, and in their hips. So they don't run into medical diseases like type two diabetes or hypertension until their BMI is about 32. Whereas, if we look at South Asian people or the or the the um, um, the indigenous group, we know that they take their weight and energy and put it into the central areas. And those central areas, those fat mm-hmm. cells are connected to the pancreas, next to the liver. So disease starts to happen at a much earlier rate. So just their genetics end up telling us sometimes and the placement of where the fat cells are are a major, major factor. White males tend to put their energy into the central area, not into the buttocks, and into the, into the thighs. And that is um, so the downtown fat in the central area causes a lot of a lot of medical problems and the peripheral fat doesn't.
0: Dr. Sean Warden is our guest. New uh, guidelines, a summary of which is published today. You can uh, Google it online at the Canadian Medical Association Journal (CMAJ). Um, it, it all comes back sometimes, Dr. Warden, to to COVID nineteen. There were thoughts pretty instantaneously, and and that many of them have been borne out. That obesity increases the risk of COVID nineteen. Some people have been very outspoken about it, militant about it. What have been your observations? And, and is even being obese has that been a wake up call uh, for some people? Given that increased risk,
1: right? It definitely um, confers an increased risk. The bigger risk is that once you do get COVID nineteen, your chance of going into the intensive care unit to being in the in the hospital for longer to being intubated is much much higher. So if we look at Boris Johnson, um, the UK, uh, the UK prime minister mm-hmm. he ended up in the intensive care unit for a short period of time and he blamed some of that on his elevated weight and that is actually accurate so so we know that there's a lot of inflammatory markers that come from these toxic fat cells those central ones and they go to the lungs they go to multiple other areas and they make it much more difficult for someone with covid-19 to clear it and make the disease a lot more prevalent as it does with other medical problems. So COVID-19 is definitely one of them, but there's multiple other ones too.
0: You reference uh, cognitive therapy, which I'm, I'm interested in. I think our audience would be as well uh, in, in terms of just being more aware. Um, we, we just get into such habits, such routines with our eating and our exercise too. Um, but being very aware of, of basically every minute of every day can, can help people, can't it?
1: Absolutely. So cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the pillars. We have three main pillars that we talk about in terms of being able to maintain healthy lifestyles. So if you want to have a healthy eating behavior, healthy activity level, then doing cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the pillars that helps you to actually continue to actually do that. And the word cognitive means that you're aware of the problem. You're aware of the fact that when you get home at night after a difficult day at, um, at, at, at um, work, mm-hmm. that you end up um, uh, using coping mechanisms and uh, extra uh, eating calorie-dense, calorie-dense foods. Now that you're aware that you're using that coping mechanism, you can try to divert it and that, that coping strategy to another strategy. But if you were never aware of it, if you weren't cognizant of it, the behavior cannot change.
0: Dr. Sean Warden is our guest uh, from McMaster University, uh, lead author of these new guidelines, uh, clinical guidelines for obesity. This will seem to our audience, I don't think it will to you, but it'll seem like a loaded question. But I think you'll understand why I'm asking it. We live in a society right now where we talk a lot about shame. We talk a lot about mental health. And we should because those are very important things. But there's there's certainly a a group that says, you know what? Every person is beautiful. Every don't worry. Don't feel you need to improve and 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 I do wonder whether we cross that line sometimes between wouldn't you love to live longer wouldn't you love to live healthier and we don't want to shame people into it people will only do what they feel inside they're required to do but it's a fine line really isn't it we of course we want a healthy healthy society the rest of us pay for it if we don't have a healthy society but i worry sometimes we're just like hey again everyone's beautiful and and everything's great we got to worry about this with kids because kids don't have a choice a lot of time uh with exercise and diet they they have to eat what their parents eat Right. Yeah.
1: So I think there is a somewhat of a fine line, as as you said. But the the greater understanding is for us to um, to have greater self. The the so 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 self esteem is important. Compassion mm-hmm. and and the, the empathy that we show people, telling them that they are loved regardless of of what size they are and how much their actual struggle is. So letting them know that allows them to then take the steps they need to make those healthy choices. There's nobody living with obesity who's having medical problems that wants to be there. They don't want to be there. What they want is for people to recognize that they're important and that they're good people and that they deserve compassion and empathy. And then they have a chance of then implementing the appropriate treatment options to get on track. If we don't treat them well, then their self-esteem keeps on going further and further down Mm -hmm. and they have less cognitive capacity to actually do any treatment option. So that's our job. Our job is to make Mm -hmm. people feel better because they're good people. And then that allows them to have better treatment options.
0: Yeah, Doctor Orton, I I think you nailed it. Honestly, I I think I don't think we'll we can't solve obesity, but I think we can reduce it through science and studies like yours. As opposed, we can encourage people. Shaming's a different story. There's that fine line. We got to, but it's it's important to encourage people to be healthier. Like people can't just turn a deaf ear to that.
1: Right. And the encouragement to be healthier also comes with the fact that we know a lot more now. um, So we know what things work. So Mm. if you were just going to randomly encourage people to be healthy by saying diet and exercise, just have a better diet, um, dude, you know, like, why can't you (laughs) why can't you stick to it? The reason why they can't stick to it is because there's a biological process that is driving their weight to be elevated, driving their hunger, driving yeah. their cravings. It's like telling a person with um with uh with 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 depression just to be happier. Just just be happier. Like why can't you get so when we know that there's neurochemicals within the brain, particularly serotonin, five H T and a number of other things that drive biochemical de- depression, so we use medical treatment for it. So here, we need to also look at medical treatment because there's hormones and neurochemicals that drive these these uh, these behaviors. So the use of a medication can very effectively put somebody on the right track and help them to do behaviors mm-hmm. properly. Um, bariatric surgery can do that, and cognitive behavioral therapy can also do it. Yeah.